Now, the last time we talked uh, was actually April of earlier this year for season two, which was a wildly different place uh, than where we are now, both in the show itself uh, and in the real world. So, so first of all, for the both of you, how are you doing uh, in this increasingly crazy year of 2020? I'm okay. I'm good. I, I moved um, from New York to Los Angeles during this. Oh, wow. Um, which was a weird time to move, but it's yeah. really good. Um, uh, yeah, it's been really good. I, I live now in the same city as Scott. So one of the nice things about the pandemic is it's allowed, I haven't had to make any awkward excuses as to why I don't want to see him. I'm just, I'm not allowed to see him. <laughs> makes things nice. Um, but no, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm busy and I'm good. So I'm, 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 I'm I am uh, very lucky. That's, that's what I keep reminding myself. Definitely. I have a job and all that stuff. So I'm good. I, I think, yeah, every time somebody asks me that, I feel like I have to put an asterisk at the end of it, a caveat yeah. that like, yeah, I'm fine <laughs> considering. Right. So yes, much better off than a lot of people. So I, I should not complain. I will say one of the silver linings uh, for you guys and for myself as well, uh, Last Kids on Earth debuted on Netflix just a little over a year ago. So it's only been out for about a year. So yeah, while 2020 has been pretty crazy for a lot of reasons, that's one great thing to kind of hold on to. You've had a year's worth of Last Kids on Earth. So uh, thinking about the show itself, how it's finding a new audience, how you're getting to see it play out on a new medium, how has that last year been uh, just in terms of your experience with the show becoming available to, to everybody out there? It's great. It's like you you work for so long and then finally getting to see it out in the real world and have people really enjoy it is great. I mean, the the best thing is when we get to hear from from kids or from kids' parents about how, you know, they watched the whole series and they watched it all again. And um, that's that's really exciting, knowing that we're not just doing it in a vacuum, but that people are, are really enjoying it. Yeah, it's, it's same thing. Uh, it's, it's been really... Um, a, I, I was uh, the, winning the Emmy was really cool. We got one Emmy for it. And that was really cool. I think that was like really just like just such a, like a cool moment. And then um, in general, like, you know, on, on social media and whatnot, like just seeing people um, comment, Oh, like I watched my kid watches the show and now he's picking up the books or the other way around right. is always just it's such, it's such a cool to see the sort of uh, like the, the universes of a collide. And, and, and feed into one another. Um, yeah, and it's just been great to, every time I go on Netflix to watch something like, oh, that's my show too. Like, that's always cool. <laughs> so speaking of that Emmy win, was that kind of, what was the experience like for the both of you? It, um, it was, I mean, it was, I, had, I, I didn't think that there was a world in which it would win. So I didn't have any of like, I wasn't anxious, which is rare, rare for me. <laughs> ridiculously rare for me um so like i, I had I, we were still in new york and my um my parents um and my sister we just sort of we just hit on i forget how many months it was but of they, they only live a couple blocks away but um we hadn't been seeing each other you know so it's just me and my wife and daughter the whole time right. but we were able to have them over and like we ordered pizza and watched it and um then it was like holy cow we just won this thing and um uh, it was uh, yeah it was like we were, my, I was just I, I was like in stunned shock I was like what like I like I thought maybe that like I, I only I made up the the words last kids on earth in my head like I literally thought maybe that's what happened but then my sister my parents my wife was just sort of screaming and my daughter was like what's going on um and so that was like it was amazing it was really it was really very cool yeah uh for me I, I was on the 
TV show or streaming show, whatever you want to call it, for the Emmys to accept it and had been waiting in kind of what they call a virtual green room for several hours, two or three hours, oh, and with the same people. And we were just talking and talking and talking with all the other nominees. And then they finally got to our category. And uh, when they said the name of the show, I was like, wait, that's our show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Why that's are they saying the name of our show? <laughs> And so I think I made a, a, a noise like, oh, <laughs> and, and then realized, oh, shoot, I got to start thanking people. But yeah, I was, I was shocked. I, I'm, I'm really proud of the show. And I think it, you know, it deserves accolades, but I was really surprised. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to sound like, you know, it was like, I was shocked because it's not good. It's not what I mean. It's just still like, it, it just, it, it still feels, I don't know. It just felt so surreal, you know? Um, Especially with with, with there's like so there's so many good shows that we were up, that we were not up against, but you know that we're in the same category. Well, congratulations uh, from this end on the Emmy win, and hopefully more to come. You guys will be like seasoned uh, veterans of the award circuit uh, by this time, you know, next year uh, when they roll back around for future seasons. So jumping into uh, season three, which is why I get to talk to you guys today. This season pretty much adapts uh, the Nightmare King. So jumping back to uh, Max real quick, how would you kind of set up the story for fans out there who are just about to dive into season three. Oh, okay. So, like, big setup for um, sure. For, so, for people with no familiarity, it's the end <laughs> of the world. There's four best buddies, and um, they're surviving in a suburban town, battling monsters and zombies. And there's a big, um, giant, extra dimensional threat out there. And they have now made um, become friends with a bunch of, of um, good guys, sort of monsters. And uh, things seem all kind of okay for the moment until uh, two things happen. One is they discover a, um, a broadcast from other humans. You know, so they know that they're not the only ones out there. And that throws our, our main character, our hero, Jack, into a sort of um, like emotional disarray. And um, there's also a, a new enemy, a villain called uh, the Nightmare King, who is sort of getting inside Jack's head with um, this sort of strange, like infused dream nightmare things. Um, so it's a, it's a roller coaster. Oh, and also, and also there's a roller coaster scene. <laughs> that was perfect. Uh, and then Scott, like a related question for you when it came to sort of, uh, pulling the parts from, uh, Max's book and, you know, really, uh, heightening uh, certain scenes. What, what was it that stood out, uh, to you for this particular book that you were like, oh man, I can't wait to get this in, in this season. I think it's, yeah, it's, it's getting into the characters' heads that in the book, um, and the book series, you really get into Jack's head, but this, the television series gives us a chance to get into all the characters' heads. And so having a, a villain that actually messes with their heads mm. uh, and you get to see kind of their nightmares and what's going on was really fun. And we even, I, I don't want to give too much away, but towards the end of the season, we get to go into almost another realm of imagination and nightmares, uh, which we'd never done before. And that was really cool because you can start playing with everything once you know all, all bets are off once you're in kind of a fantasy world so that was really fun yeah that was definitely for me one of the highlights of watching this season um I'll, I'll jump right into that question because it's related this season like the two that came before it you guys pack a ton of like just fun into the show i mean it's kind of silly to say it that way but yeah it's just a fun show you've got cart races you've got uh, a bunch of fun techie stuff you've got a bunch of magic stuff that you get to see and then just a ton of imagination you even have different uh, animation sequences and animation styles 
that show off different story elements throughout the the season, which I thought was really fun. But how freeing was it for you to be able to go into that kind of creative dreamscape, let's say, uh, to kind of shake off the shackles of reality a little bit? What was that like as far as your creative experience this season? It's, it is, well, it's, it's freeing, but it's also restrictive in a strange way. It's freeing at the beginning. And then you realize, unfortunately, there are a lot of practicalities about making a cartoon that every new place you go means a new background sure. and every new character or costume means a new character. So there start to be um, financial and time restrictions and just how many bodies can we throw at this in terms of the staff? So you can go crazy and then you got to kind of rein it in and think, well, how do we go make it look like we're going crazy without breaking the bank? Um, but I will give Max a lot of credit that he was constantly on the, uh, the platform the uh, yeah, soapbox sure. about, we need to make sure this stays fun, that this show is not about uh, a terrible end of the world experience. It's about these kids having fun at the end of the world. So that was always foremost in our minds is, is despite the danger and, you know, the real stakes, they're trying to make the best of it. And so we have to put fun in the show because that's what the kids would actually do. And, yeah, it's a fun apocalypse. Absolutely. Go ahead, Max. And I, and I would say in terms of a, a, a different sense of freeing, like for me was that, that that section of the season was the, the, the first thing that was totally not a part of the books. It, mm. we were, it was completely different and much... Um, like bigger and visual and it was really fun for me to it was like the the first time on the show where it felt like oh i'm writing something that's like a hundred percent like just totally 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 like i'm almost I felt like i was working on some somebody else's project for a moment or somebody mm -hmm. else's thing just to be able to like okay totally from scratch what if it was like now like this and we can do this new thing and um so that was just really fun it was like a, it was a different sort of way uh, like, like a it's like a different exercise, but, it, and really, um, it was just, it was just incredibly fun. And also a challenge to like, you know, those, the sort of like entering the nightmare realm, entering the dream things like that's, that is like a thing that you've seen. Like we, like we, were, we went back together and like some of us hung out and watched like Nightmare on Elm Street. And like, there's the challenge oh, cool. to make sure it, like you're not doing what's been done before. Um, and that was a fun challenge too, because it would be easy to like phone that in sort of like, oh, it's like a nightmare and like stuff is weird, it feels like a nightmare. And um, so it was really fun to make sure like we were doing it in a way that still felt true to last kids. Um, and um, it had tension and all that stuff um, without just getting like wacky weird. It was, that, was, that was one of the, the funnest things for me on the entire show. I would say that an October release uh, specifically for like the Nightmare King stories is uh, well-timed. So well done there with uh, your holiday timing. Can you maybe tease uh, one or two scenes or sequences or maybe even new characters that were created uh, that maybe weren't in the book, but that you got to kind of bring that fresh perspective to when you got to write them in for the show? I think, well, uh, the very first episode is one that wasn't in the book, that it was, we thought it's important for the kids to have power, that that's, that's the thing. They're like, well, we've got the society now. Now we need to power it all and get kind of back mm. to normal. And like you said, they use that for go-kart races because they're kids. <laughs> but we thought it'd be fun to kind of set up the whole series with a, almost like a prequel to the book of how they get the power and how showing how what normal is before it all goes crazy. So that was something we struggled with in the writer's room is, is this the way to open the season is with kind of a not slower episode, but uh, establishing episode rather than leaping right into the main action. 
And I think it worked out really well, but maybe Max feels differently. Oh, it was a disaster. Terrible. <laughs> no, that, that was, that, that was very, it was, um, we, we spent a lot of time on those first couple episodes figuring out, just breaking down. I remember, um, it's like taking me back now. Uh, like, yeah, in the, in the, in the third, in this book, um, it, it sort of opens up and like Jack is, they have a community now and there's camaraderie and stuff and everything and they have electricity and, and they've done a bunch of stuff that you haven't seen. Um, and it felt like to, to make the threat to that community that, that they've created feel real later on, we needed to see them create it a little bit and, um, and actually build it. If you just kind of smash cut to, hey, we've got a great place to live now, um, you, you wouldn't feel as earned or wouldn't, it wouldn't be as, um, the stakes wouldn't be as high when, when stuff got serious. Um, so that, that, was, that was a really, um, that, that was a, a big fun one. And it was, we bounced around a lot, a lot of different ways for them to, to get that electricity and that power. And I, I remember we got a couple that felt really right. And then we slept on it and that felt, that it felt, no, that's not right. That feels too, that doesn't feel like the last kid. That feels too big. That feels too, um, like been there, done that. Um, and I think we landed in a really great place with how that all worked out. It was, wasn't, it, wasn't there a point where we were talking about like a big, like Hoover Dam kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, there was one where it opened up like almost like GoldenEye, uh, where Jack was like, you know, like, uh, at the, like sort of like uh, uh, sliding down the side of a huge dam to like turn on, you know, enough power that like would, you know, would, would run a quarter of the country. And it felt just too big for like the sort of, the fun that these kids have and it's, it's always supposed to feel relatable you know like i want it to, it to feel when you talk about this in the room all the time but like it should feel like if you were a kid and the world ended like how would you do things and where where would you find fun and going to the hoover dam to flip a million generators felt too big and so um and, and instead having them you know, get it from the local planetarium, which feels like a relatable sort of like field trip experience, but it's like a field trip at the end of the world felt much more in line with it. And I was, I remember that was such a eureka moment when we were like, oh, that makes sense. That's the way to do it. Um, yeah. I have to say as a, a fan of the show, yeah, that really landed for me because it not only kept that spirit of fun and got to, you know, include Quint, like, you know, the techie side of things too, uh, to, to give him kind of a purpose uh, in the larger sense to provide power to this community and, and use tech experience and knowledge to put that together. But it also, pardon the electricity pun, it grounded the story a little bit more because it was a real problem that they had to deal with and it was done in a fun way. So I think you guys nailed it. I think uh, Writer's Room came up with some good solutions on that and then the animation was obviously fun as well. So good job. Speaking more to sort of like the emotional core of your, your uh, main cast here, each of your characters, the, the kind of featured foursome, they have their own sort of internal battles that are then sort of brought to life, shall we say, uh, in different ways through this main kind of antagonist. So can you walk us through maybe what each of the kids uh, individually are, are struggling with? Sure, I'll, I'll, I'll start with, with Jack. And yep. for him, it's that um, when, when they hear this, this radio broadcast, um, for, for the other members of his for his buddies, it's, it's, it's a wonderful moment. Um, you know, there's people out there. We're not, we're not alone. Right. Um, it's not just us. Like it, it isn't as sort of hopeless as it might have felt like to them sort of internally. Um, but for Jack, it's this weird thing where he, you know, he's been searching for um, like a family his whole life. And now he's sort of created it in the end of the world. Um, and suddenly it's disrupted and it's a sort of, he has to walk a 
the, when he has to walk. And I th- also, when we were writing this show, we had to walk a sort of complicated line hmm. where he is like frustrated that um, his friends are getting what they want and he's not. And he has a tough time dealing with that and expressing that. Um, and it, even though it feels like a very sort of, it's like such a huge, massive um, scenario, like outsized end of the world scenario, it reminded me of, you know, going to college and some friends didn't go to college or something like that. You know, right. like it's stuff that like happens in life where, where groups of friends, things happen where you're being pulled in different directions by what, by the world. Um, and so it still felt relatable. Um, and that, and that's, that's always an important thing for still feel relatable. So Jack is really, it's the mer- most turmoil he's gone through um, in, in the series thus far, by far. For, for June, it's the, really the opposite of Jack, that she finally sees, oh my God, there's hope. She right. thinks this is the best moment since the apocalypse, is finding that there's other people alive. And so she can't understand anyone who doesn't see this as their biggest priority. So anytime anybody wants to have fun or work on something else or sees another danger, she's like, no, 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 that's, that's not key. So it's opening up her mind to the fact that other people perceive this differently. And Dirk actually has a completely different uh, <laughs> thing, which I don't, I don't believe was in the books. I think we made it up just for the series oh, cool. to give him something, which was he starts to feel more like his family is with the monsters. Yeah. He's always been oversized and very physical and feels like that may be where he fits in. And uh, it may not be what all the monsters think. The, they may, may not want him to join in, but that's, that's kind of his arc for the season is where do I fit in? Um, which was really fun to, to play with and come up with separate scenes for him. Yeah, and, and Quint has um, this in, like, incredible sort of value to, to their team as sort of the gadget guy and Jack's best friend and things like that. And, it, and he has to sort of, he struggles with um, voicing that he's not only that and making sure that mm. um, even though his like Jack is his best friend in the world and Quint is very much Jack's best friend in the world. And, um, but as Jack goes through this turmoil, um, Quint has to sort of remind Jack of that a little bit. Um, and there's a, there's a scene that it's one of my, one of my favorite in like just little moments in the scene in, in the series where they finally sort of, I wouldn't say they have it out necessarily, but like, I don't know. They 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 both realize that they're not really hearing the other person, and then they kind of right. there. It's very nice. Um, yeah, that's right. I was just gonna say there's a great exchange where where Jack says, "You've never been this mad at me before, Quint." And he says, "No, I've just never told you before." Mm. And so it's like, oh, there's been this this stuff underneath all this time, and they're finally coming clean, which was really nice. No, I, I love that. And I love especially, too, that, you know, each of the characters has their own kind of thing that they're dealing with. That's also reflected in the actual sort of action-packed uh, portion of the story. You get to kind of explore those in a in a, uh, a different way, shall we say, without giving away any spoilers. But I also love that uh, kids and, and adults like myself out there who are watching this can identify with each of those individual struggles. It's not just like one thing for one specific person. Everybody's felt like probably all of those things at different points in their lives. Dave, you've wanted to be a monster. Is that what you're saying? Hundred percent. I always identify with the monsters. Yeah. No, I'm definitely the like the techie uh, Donatello of the group. So me and Quint are hundred percent on the same page. <laughs> now, I also want to talk about your supporting cast. Uh, it feels like in season three or part three, uh, book three, 
we get to expand your, your cast quite a bit. So your incredible guest and supporting cast really gets a chance to kind of shine and show off their, uh, their personalities, these, these various monsters. There's a fantastic one-two uh, uh, quick lines between uh, Mark Hamill and Bruce Campbell, which absolutely floored me. Uh, <laughs> can you talk about, um, yeah, your guest cast this, this season? <laughs> yeah, we, love, we love the exchange you're talking about and yep. we were like is anybody even going to notice this 100 did yeah but and that's it, and then they're also both neither of them knew it i think what the other person was recording oh uh, that's funny and that i think i mean we told one of them and then um i said we, we gotta, is we gonna make anybody mad that's there <laughs> i don't know i love that um yeah i mean the supporting cast just continued to be um you know uh mark campbell bruce campbell um Catherine o'hara uh uh, Rosario Dawson, they did just, throughout just, um, I don't know, it, it, it's still like a little bit like, geez, I can't believe that we were writing for them and they were, and they were delivering and, and it's just uh, incredible. I'm probably forgetting people. I'm sure I am. It's a pretty huge cast too. And you've got a lot more Emmy uh, winning star power on your side now too. So you're even more stock for the next time. So it's pretty incredible. Yeah, it was, it, everybody completely brought their A game and it was, it was great. And like he said, a lot of them, I don't think any of the, in quotes, star talent ever got to work together. So mm. when we finally get to see it cut together yeah. and see Bruce Campbell talking to Mark Hamill, it's fantastic. It's, it's so surreal for us. Yeah, and it was definitely a delight for me as obviously a fan of, of both of them for pretty much my entire life. Um, yeah, it's it'll land with uh, the folks <laughs> like me out there in the audience. Even if the kids are like, wait, what? Um, you can explain it to the kids. It'll be fine. Um, because folks are getting a chance to uh, check out this season the weekend that this episode airs, I want to give people a spoiler warning. I want to give uh, you gentlemen a spoiler warning as well. I'm about to ask a couple spoiler questions. After the credits, after kind of everything's uh, wrapped up uh, with a bow for our foursome and their their monster friends, we get another monster appearance and appearance of a uh, a new character, plus the notable addition of some snow on the end credits titles and the sound of jingle bells in the background. So if you're familiar with the books, you may think there's a Christmas-themed adaptation of Cosmic Beyond coming up next. Am I hitting the mark pretty well on this one? Uh, that's absolutely the intention. Cool. Uh, that's what we're alluding to. Uh, at this stage, we're uh, waiting for Netflix to order more episodes. Okay. So we're, you know, gung-ho and ready to do it, but they got to pull the trigger and say, yes, the audience wants more. So kids, call Netflix. I don't know how you do that. Look, <laughs> we'll look at Netflix it. online. Yeah. One, I believe it's 1-800-NETFLIX. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, that, that was the intention with that is to go, oh, there's more coming. Yep, um, and it, it's and it was um, we we, we talk, talked about a lot about how to, how to hint at that just right and um and 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 had that cliffhanger moment and um and yeah and I'm it, it, it's it'll be very cool I really hope that um we get to see those two in action and and do like their sort of holiday um like the, the like finally like look at like holidays during the end of the world and how <laughs> we do them and it was that, that's really fun. Very cool. Uh, Max, when you were putting the idea together for the book uh, before, obviously, any of the animated series stuff, why why the Christmas-themed holiday because or, or winter holiday? Because, like you said, you wanted to see holidays at the end of the world and what that looked like. That was interesting to you? Um, it, was, it, was two th it was two things. One, it was um, total, total um, fear and <laughs> indecisiveness on my part, where I felt like this sort of at the end of book three felt like, okay, 
these guys, this gang is probably needs to, it, they're sort of, the next sort of step would maybe be to go and search stuff out. But I wasn't ready to write that yet. Like I, mm. there's more stuff I still wanted to do. And um, I, I wanted to make sure that before they did that and did this sort of like, um, like went in search of something bigger beyond Wakefield that um, I was able to plot it out. So I didn't want to, like, I'm not somebody who can just sort of like write and then, I don't know, like do it. I, I, I from the beginning I, or from the beginning, I've always had a sort of vision for the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's changed a little bit. Um, but around book three at that moment, is like, okay, I want to make sure that I know where this is going. So I don't want it to be one of those situations where you're not able to sort of like lay the, the groundwork for it, like, like lay all that pipe necessary to make sure that it all feels earned and that, that word's overused, like earned and like, like the, the author had a plan and for it to feel like the author has a plan, the author actually has to have that sort of plan. Um, <laughs> and so um, I was like, I got to hold on, <laughs> I, need, I need to stick them here. And like, you know, um, so snowstorm, they can't leave. And that causes things to change in town. And then like, just the idea of doing any sort of like big, um, I don't know, like snow days, I grew up in New England, like snow, day, snow days are the best. So like, oh, yeah a sort of snow day feel um, felt like it'd be really fun. And I always love when I get to see our, our monsters react to like human things and be confused by them and like them not having snow in their other dimensional world felt like a really fun way for them to sort of like explain like, this is a snowball fight and it's cool and I don't, don't get mad. Like I'm throwing a snowball at you, don't eat me. Like that's <laughs> the stuff is, it's always like really fun to, to write and think about. No, I'm super excited for that. Uh, I can't wait to see kind of what Atomic Cartoons does with the uh, the animation for that too. That'll be something new that we haven't really seen before in the, the three seasons that exist. Uh, and real quick before I run out of time with you, I noticed, I believe it's Evie Stark, and correct me if I'm wrong, who appears and is credited in this episode, uh, voiced by, I'm going to pronounce her name wrong, so I apologize. Rebecca, is it Shoyche? Shoytit? I'm not sure how to pronounce her name. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, and... I don't think we can say any more than than what it says in the credits. <laughs> uh, can you can you maybe talk about uh, the how you uh, came to cast Rebecca uh, for the part? Um, it, it's hard because you're casting someone with again spoilers one line, mm. but you know that it may extend <laughs> right. far into the future if if we go ahead and make season four, season five, season six. Um, so. It was looking for someone who had a voice that was uh, playful because if you've read the next book, the character is very much into pop culture and superheroes and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, but also she was the first real kind of adult that we've seen. She She's a young adult, but she's still older than the kids. So she has to sound a little more mature, but still have that childish joy. And she's also a villain. So it was looking for someone whose voice could do all those things. Um, and Rebecca was, was one person who came to us where we felt like, yeah, she's got that, got that range. Yeah, definitely a great choice. A veteran in the voice acting industry, uh, look up, you know, IMDb page, ton of titles, uh, can't wait to hear and see more. Uh, but unfortunately this is going to have to be my last question for the both of you since you teased, you know, season four, five, six and beyond and hopeful movie and everything else, uh, last kids on earth or beyond what's up next for the both of you, uh, and the remainder of 2020. So Max, if you'd like to take that first. Uh, so right now, um, we have, uh, I'm in the middle of writing Last Kids on Earth, um, seven, the seventh book in the series. Wow. And, um, and outlining, um, 
a sort of new kind of side quest adventure for um, two of the characters, which I um, really hope will um, still wait to see, see exactly how it's going to shape up and or, or, or turn out and what it'll be that I'm really excited about. Um, and then looking forward to, um, hey, uh, what else can I say? Oh, and look, oh, and working on our video, working on the last Earth video game. I'm looking forward to that. Oh, like, very cool. Like on a, on a ridiculously uh, <laughs> geeky, geeky wish fulfillment level. Uh, and I'm just finishing up. Uh, we're doing the, the sound mix for one more piece of Last Kids on Earth entertainment on Netflix. I don't know how much we can talk about it, but there is something coming beyond the 10 episodes dropping October 16th. Interesting. Uh, so I'm finishing that up and then starting to do development work on some other projects, um, which I can't talk about yet. But Isn't that always the way? Yes, other animated productions that you'll all come to know and love in the future. Fantastic. I don't know what that tease was for. I'm not, I'm not kidding our listeners out there. I have no idea. I'm hoping it's maybe an interactive special. I have no clue, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. And I'll, I'll ask you gentlemen next time. But thank you for your time so much today. Thank you for Last Kids on Earth. Uh, I can't wait for everybody out there to check it out. And I can't wait to see more. So thanks again. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Dave. And congrats on that Emmy again. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs>